Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for our Counterpoint, so let's bring him in. We got Bob Richardson, who is, of course, where is your title, Mr. Richardson? Oh, there it is. There you are. You're a senior counsel over at National Public Relations. I've got that the, is correct. I've got the mind of a cheddar cheese. Uh, what's that? Swiss cheese holes all over. And it's Anthony Fury, who uh, you can catch in Sun Post Media. Columnist. Hello, hello. You hello, can. Hello. You can. Let's start with this one. Doug Ford uh, should focus more on his job than campaigning against the carbon tax and his dreams of getting into federal politics. These are the words of Dominic LeBlanc who was in town yesterday uh, meeting with Trade Minister Jim Wilson. But I'll start with you on this, Bob. How do you see this? Uh, I look at this as purely strategical to uh, start a fight between Ottawa and Ontario. How do you see it? Well, look, it's a bit of tit-for-tat going on here, uh, which I don't think is particularly productive uh, by the federal government or by the province. Uh, Ford has gone out of his way to poke them in the eye on a variety of occasions in the last uh, six weeks or so. I think they've probably just decided, okay, we've had enough of that. We'll begin poking back and we're not going to let this guy just sort of run around and trash us uh, coast to coast to coast and do whatever he wants. Uh, I think that's probably fair game uh, politically. Um, on the other, the, the other point I would make is time, time for this guy to get to work and stop campaigning. This is full-time campaigning. It's been full-time campaigning since the last day of the election uh, it would be uh, it's probably time to be the premier and not uh, not a full time candidate. Well, he is getting stuff done. It's not like he's sitting around. And, and I mean, they all do it. That's the thing. Alex, Doug Ford runs Canada right now. <laughs> he is driving the agenda on so many issues. When he did the notwithstanding clause stuff and said he was uh, limiting Toronto City Council, I thought, wow, this guy is now waging a war on three fronts, municipal, provincial, which he runs, and federal. And, you know, historians tell you don't even wage war on two fronts. Not only is he waging war on three fronts, he's winning it. He's he's driving the agenda on the national carbon tax. He's driving the agenda on the border crossers. The thing that I'm about to reveal uh, later on that the sun is broken is, is a similar angle on this. I mean... This guy's just doing a lot of stuff, and this is why you've got liberals coming out and saying, no, no, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. They're freaking out because he's running Ottawa more than they are. I mean, the bottom line is, Bob, uh, you know, it's a problem with cap and trade because it's not just Doug Ford. He may be kind of driving the the campaign, but it's four soon-to-be five provinces who are saying, yeah, we're we're not buying into this either. Well, I I think the federal government has done a horrible Mm -hmm. job on communications as it relates to cap and trade. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they have ceded the issue to the provinces. It's all become about the tax. uh, It it hasn't become about climate change at all. And they sort of just left themselves vulnerable on this issue. And and quite frankly, people like Jason Kenney and the Premier of Saskatchewan and Doug Ford and others have taken advantage of it. And, you know, uh, but but that's... the federal government can't complain about that because they've allowed that situation to develop. Yeah. Um, okay, let's park that one for a second and pick up this one. The Cana- A Canadian woman, 23 years old, got drunk. She's in Thailand. She's with her boyfriend from Britain. They find some spray paint and decide to vandalize a historic wall from the 13th century. Now, she's charged, she's looking at 10 years in jail and a huge fine of up to 60000 U.S. Here is her mother, Tara Schneider, talking about that phone call. She just said, um, Mom, I'm in trouble. And I said, um, are you, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she said, 
yeah, I'm okay, but I'm, I'm in prison. And I asked her what she did. She told me, and uh, our phone call ended briefly after as they took her phone shortly after that. Oh, God. Every parent's nightmare. The phone call you don't want to get, Anthony, and when you, you do get it, what, what, what do you do? I don't know what the Canadian government can do. The phone call you don't want to get, I don't know what uh, what the Canadian government can do either because this is a law that they have on the books that I imagine anybody who lives there knows about this law. And you say, well, come on, it's just a bit of vandalism and we unfortunately have that sort of stuff, graffiti all over our city on this place. Apparently you don't do it. Major, uh, major thing from the 13th century, a wall that they care about a great deal there and she's run afoul of this law. And, and I guess... And this is not the first time this has happened when Canadian, American, Western travelers go abroad and there's some sort of sacred site and they they uh, desecrate it in, in even sometimes a minor way. But I guess the government's impression is if we let one person do it, it's going to set the stage that uh, others can. So I, I, I hope that she will not receive a prison term. Mm. There's a, a serious financial penalty. I understand it's something like $40,000 that she may have to pay. And uh, maybe they can deal with it that way. Yeah, I don't know, because, Bob, if you go back to that time in 1994 when the American uh, 18-year-old was taken in by the Singapore uh, police and charged and and sent to jail and and convicted also with caning, he got six caning, uh, and and the American government was only able to bring it down to four. So even the American government couldn't bring its power to stop this. So I don't know what, if anything, the Canadian government can do for her. Well, let's hook up the idiot meter here. This one's probably a 14 out of 10. So let's begin with that. My patience is limited uh, on these sort of things when people do these sort of really, really stupid things abroad. That being said, uh, you don't want somebody to languish in a jail over an issue like this. This is where it's good to have good people in global affairs in our foreign ministry and others. Uh, we have good relationships with the, uh, with the government of Thailand. Hopefully there can be some quiet discussions that go on. They should pay a huge fine, uh, and hopefully uh, we can get them out of the country. It reminds me a little bit of the stupidity that went on at the, uh, at the Winter Olympics with Canadian athletes in, uh, in South Korea. Yeah. Uh, and, and we got them out of the country fairly quickly. Um, with huge apologies. But, you know, there, there's consequences to your actions, and the consequence of being an idiot is you're in jail. Yeah, did anyone watch Midnight Express? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I th- that should be required watching before you travel abroad. I mean, here, just watch this, and <laughs> and, the, and you'll never repeat the mistake, because I'm, I'm not sure what, what can happen either. Uh, but for her mom and parents' sake, I guess we hope for a break. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions, going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Teachers in one of the largest school boards in Ontario, that it being Peel Region, have been urged in a memo not to teach the American classic To Kill a Mockingbird because apparently it's harmful, violent, and oppressive to black students. Um, a trope of, quote, white savior that makes its black characters seem less than human. I This drives me nuts, Anthony. To, to, to take and even suggest removing a book like this to me is a complete disservice and injustice to the students that t- can take a lot away from this. I studied English literature at university. I'm a great defender of the Western canon. I'm a great defender of Shakespeare and all those great authors, and I think they should be taught to everybody. And if there are some perspectives or cultures or whatnot that are not being taught, just add more to it. The, this, these bizarre. I can come up with any cockamamie argument as to why any film or novel or song out there is uh, uh, is transphobic or racist or what have you. Enough. 
We know why these are classics. We know why they've endured the test of time. There are no classics on any curriculum that are hateful or, or racist or homophobic and so forth. I, I, th- that's actually offensive to the great teachers out there in our province and our country who've taught these works for decades to suggest that throughout the 80s, 90s and aughts, they would be teaching a racist book. It, I don't take this seriously. I, I wish I didn't take it seriously. It's just the way we are seemingly moving, Bob, I worry that it actually will catch on. I mean, Drake songs, no problem. Uh, a book like To Kill a Mockingbird? Well, uh, I think we should keep the book, and I think we should find out who the author is of that note. <laughs> yeah. Feel bored. Yeah. That's who we should be getting rid of, because it's ridiculous. First of all, it was the worst sort of excessive political, you know, political correctness. Um, and Surely to God, we have better things to do with our times than uh, than spending times writing notes like that and taking on books like uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's just absurd. I think most people would view it as such. And it's not a good use of uh, time, and it's not a good use of public dollars. No, but it is a great time to know who your school trustee is in Peel Region, because this is why voting in a good school trustee matters, so that they can fight uh, when things like this come. And so I always say, get to know the school trustee. That way, you know, you've got a voice. So I agree with you. Um, Let's talk a little bit about comments conservative leader Andrew Scheer had made uh, saying that when it comes to cannibalize, uh, cannibal, um, (laughs) pot legalization, I'm not calling it cannabis, okay? It's pot. Um, When it comes to uh, pot legality, if his party wins in 2019, he says he'll scrutinize the rollout, but he's not sure if he'll bring it back or keep it in. Bob, take a listen to the audio. The Conservative Party will do our due diligence, examine the consequences of this uh, decision, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll examine the reality on the ground. We have to be realistic about what a change like this uh, means to society and all the ramifications. Uh, but I can tell you that, that we are watching this very closely. We'll do what the Liberals didn't do and take uh, an evidence-based approach to what we propose in the next election. Hmm. We'll have to see what the, what the realities in, in Canada are at the time. Bob, I look at this as a very kind of smart strategical move i think others look at it like oops he's made a mistake but from a pure purely strategical thing if this thing is a bomb then andrew shears kind of got an out and can say look we'll fix it uh, if it's great you know trudeau gets to own it but again trudeau owns this issue either which way well uh, number one i think andrew shear it looks like he's from 1957 and just fell off Sort of the set of leave it to beaver. <laughs> this is a guy that appears out of touch, backward, and quite frankly, anti-urban on a bunch of different issues. I, I would throw in LGBTQ uh, issues too as well. He won't go to a pride parade, this, that. Like, get with the program. The guy is way out of touch with uh, with urban Canada. And the other thing on this issue is, is he advocating that we go back to an illegal black market that was controlled by uh, criminal elements? Does he want to destroy a multi-billion dollar industry? And also, it would kill thousands of jobs across the country. You take a small town like Smith Falls here in Ontario that's been revitalized as a result of this industry. and uh, And it's good news. So you know what? This guy needs to be uh, updated big time. I'm as a liberal. I'm quite happy. I hope he continues down the path. <laughs> well, look, I have no issue. I would have preferred decriminalizing pot, but I have no issue with legalization of pot. But a lot can happen in a year, Anthony. And if people are thoroughly annoyed by this, because we don't know. I mean, it may not go as smoothly or it may be brilliant. The thing is, there's a lot of unknowns. And I wrote pieces back in 2012, 2013, 2014, saying I, I smell this is in the air and the conservatives should move to decriminalize marijuana. And that, that would be something that would really also take the wind out of the liberal sales. And, and I, I still think they should have done that. So 
I think Justin Trudeau ultimately did the right thing. I think he was wrong to try and do the rush timeline. Then he was right to push that back to October. He was somewhat wrong to push it all in the provinces, but the way our laws work, it is the provinces who have to come up with these rules. And, and, and look, I've been saying all this week, Alex, there's no beta testing of this. There's no trial run. There's no dress rehearsal. You just do it, and you try and get your ducks in a row, but you're inevitably not going to get them all. And then both the feds and the provinces and municipalities are going to have to tinker with different rules and laws for the next year or two or three. And I'm not going to be one to say, well, Trudeau screwed up, or Doug Ford, or this premier, or this mayor, because you just don't know what you're going to... There's no best practices other than Uruguay, and I don't want us to take our cues from them. So I, I think we're going in the right direction, and, and Shear's being kind of cagey. He's he's basically yeah. saying almost what I've just said. You know, if things need to be revised, they will be. And, and I think Trudeau would probably revise things if there were major problems, too. Well, I don't think you can approach it any other way. It is such an unknown experiment exactly. uh, that literally it would be crazy to think that the thing you start with is how it's going to look in maybe yeah, two to three years. And you know what? Week one, the sky didn't fall on our head. Uh, it works in places like the state of Washington in a city like a big city like Seattle is a good example. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll have to, I completely agree with Anthony. There's stuff that we don't even know yet that'll have to be tinkered with, maybe some changes to laws, access, quality. There'll be a bunch of different things that'll happen. But overall, I would say that this has been pretty successful. I think one of the reasons it's been successful is the federal government aren't administering the, pro, uh, the, the program. Shopify is. Yeah, that that is interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and I think uh, the big, big test, though, certainly for Ontario, is when the stores actually get open. Um, and noticing tonight that one of the bigger uh, stores, the cafes, they've actually started to sh- shut down these dispensaries in Toronto, which I thought, well, are they going to be able to do that? Because it's such a whack-a-mole approach. They disappear one day, they're up the next. Yeah. You know, it's when the storefronts open that it will be a whole new learning curve for the, both the provinces and the feds. Yeah, and it's a weird thing, Alex, to say we're not going to open the storefronts until about April, but we want to shut down the dispensaries today. I mean, I think you'd want to give them a pathway to citizenship, dare I call it that. Uh, so, you know, they well, should be able to... there's going to be a shortage, yeah. They should be able to roll into legality. Yeah. And I do feel for, you know, the Emery's and others who were on the front lines of this. Yep. And then the big news story of the day the other day was mm-hmm. Brian Mulroney's cashing in on this all of a sudden. I, I mean, I, I do gonna feel for these up. people. Yeah, yeah, it is true. Uh, Bob, will give the last word to you on this. Well, this industry now is thick with former politicians of every stripe. So uh, uh, I, I, I agree with Anthony on this one. I think we should establish that path to citizenship. I love that uh, for, for a number of these dispensaries. I think that makes perfect, good common sense. Common sense. What is that these days? All right. We'll leave it on that common sense note. Bob, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Alex Pearson. This is On Point here on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.